0: 24, we'll do verses 1 through 8 instead of 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be rose again. Then they remembered his words. Please be seated.
1: So, going into the Venture Week, um, uh, I almost did this the first service. More Venture Week is still on my mind. I almost asked them if they're having fun in the first service. So, um, I, I don't know if that would have went well. Um, so, I just want to say thank you again to all the volunteers, to student leaders, um, to all the church staff, Morgan, Pastor Mike, Pastor Greg. And to all of you as a congregation as well, Um, without your support and without your donations, we couldn't have made this a fun week for these kids. And I also want to say thank you to the prayer team as well. Um, So kicking off into the week, going into our devotions, I was in charge of devotions on Wednesday, um, and I wanted to let them know that there's these kids, when they're here, that we don't know what they're going through. We don't know the circumstances that they're going through. We don't know their home life. Um... And so for me, I saw this video earlier in the morning, and I wanted them to remember um, what they could do for these kids. It was a video of a mom, young mom with her five-year-old son, um, and in the video, she was on her deathbed, and a hospice nurse gave her this booklet of pictures and verses with her son, and the showing that the love and compassion that she had for her son, that she wanted her son to remember forever. Um, and I told... That our staff, that I wanted these kids to have a fun, exciting week and for the stories that they will remember forever. Um, and that these kids could have the memories of, that they came to this church and that they could tell their, their parents, that they could tell their other family members, their friends, and what they could remember from this week and that they could take away and remember for the rest of their life. I'm already doing planning for next year's, next year's Adventure Week. Um, it's going to be space-themed. It is going to be themed of Out of This World... Um, I plan on doing a music video with the kids of all the student leaders, and that they can make up the video, Um, and so this started off on Monday. Um, Going into our Heroes of Faith week, on Monday, we started off with Abraham, Uh, Tuesday was Esther, Uh, Wednesday was Elijah, Thursday was Moses, and Friday was the best hero of all, which was Jesus. I think we have all the memory verses that the kids learned all this week. Starting with Monday, they had Genesis 12 uh, to learn about Abraham, 12, uh, 3b. Um, It was, and all, oh, there we go. So, and Tuesday, so there we go. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Uh, Then going into Tuesday with Esther, um, Their verse was 14, our 1st four, fourteen four, 14b, and those who know that you have come to your royal position for such a great time as this. And then going on to Wednesday in First Kings seventeen twenty four, 24, and to Elijah, then the woman said to Elijah, now that I know that you are a man of God and that you are the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Um, then going into Thursday, we had Moses um, Exodus 3, 4 was the memory verse of that day. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then going into Friday from Luke 24, 7, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. Um, We had the kids not only just memorize the memory verse, but also had to memorize group chants and group names. Um, I can say that my favorite group chant came from the Green Gators, uh, which was all the second graders at that time. Um, first grade was Team Red. They were the Red Bears. Um, they switched their name five times throughout the week. I think the last time I remember was the Red Foxes. Um, third grade was Team Blue, the Blue Nators. Fourth and fifth were combined Team Yellow, the Yellow Bandits. Uh, Pre-K was Team Pink and Orange, the Fantastic Frogs. And Sunshine Preschool, which also joined us Tuesday through Thursday, was Team Grey. Uh, kindergarten was Team Purple, is was Purple Power, but I can say that my favorite team, uh, my favorite group throughout the week was definitely the Blue Blueinators, the third graders. Um, when the kids had to memor- memorize the memory verse, um, they were jumping up and down so much, they, they wanted to say it, they wanted as a group to say the memory verse, but I'm pretty sure it was just the candy that they wanted, honestly. Um, so Monday after we're going over the story of Abraham and then we went into the story of Esther and Wednesday of the story of Elijah and Thursday was one of my favorite days we went over the story of Moses and the burning bush wouldn't it be something just to think about if you're at work or you're at home and you just see something on fire not burning up our ashes and it's just sitting there on fire then you heard a voice from the fire saying your name and that I, saying that I am the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob And said that you are standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Remember that Moses is a prince of Egypt at this time. He knows that the Hebrews have a God. And now this God is telling him to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. God says to Moses, take up your staff and you will perform my wonders. See, Moses believed that he had faith that God is going to help him along his journey. Moses is facing the greatest empire in the world at this time. But this shows you that God is bigger than our problems that I faced yesterday, that I am facing today, and that what I am facing tomorrow. And that lies ahead of me. The easiest thing to do is to sit into a problem than finding the solution. When God sees our struggles, he stands with us, waiting for us to commit to him, taking our hand, leading us into a greater future. When God sees the Israelites struggling, he hears their cries. For, for some of them, they forgot about God, that they believed that God had forgotten about them. When things are quiet, remember that God that the teacher is always silent during the test. In the, in, the in the 430 years that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, God stood by them. He waited for the right person to come along, deliver his people out of Egypt, and that person was Moses. God has a unique design for each and every person on this earth, and that is how he designed us. God's purpose for our lives will always endure over anything that stands in our way. And if anything stands in our way, God's plan, and we are the people that stand in our own way, God's plan for our lives, we will disobey God and we will wait longer. Because of this, we see this, that Moses, after he led the Israelites into the Promised Land, the Israelites stood in their own way of God's plan by worshiping idols, committing sins that went against the Ten Commandments. So it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. But when God leads us out of something into something new, it takes us time. It takes time with us being obedient to God. Now going into Friday's story, it's about the ultimate superhero of all, Jesus. We look at the true definition of what Webster Dictionary describes as a superhero as, someone in having superhuman powers. Well, we know Jesus definitely had those powers with healing people like the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and raising the dead. Jesus is the perfect definition of a superhero because no one has done what he has done. In Luke 24, the resurrection, the greatest news that the world has ever known, that he is not here, he has risen. Most of of us have heard the Easter message that Jesus has risen. I haven't lived a perfect life, church, but I thank God that somebody has, and that person is Jesus. There are imperfections in my life, but that is okay. I'm willing to grow in those areas of my life so I can grow for the kingdom of God. If, I'm not per- if I am perfect church, then I have no room to grow and I cannot build off of my mistakes. I'm glad Jesus died and rose again without his death and resurrections. Then my imperfections would separate me from God and I wouldn't have hope in eternity because my hope is what drives me closer to knowing God and that there is grace when I make mistakes. My hope is what makes my trust and faith in God. Jesus is making rooms for you and I in his house, leading us closer to him. There is a song that I love, and it is called Egypt. It is one of my favorite songs. It has the chorus, You stepped into my Egypt, you took me by the hand, and you are leading me to the promised land. Our promised land is not here on earth, but it awaits us. But because of the resurrection, my promised land is in heaven. It awaits, it awaits for us. This world is our Egypt. It holds us captive with this wickedness and evil desires. When you accept Jesus into your life, He takes you by the hand, leads you into a relationship with Him, with him that will last for eternity, maturing you and calling you His. Remember, church, that you, my life here on this earth is temporary, but my life in heaven is forever. There's someone here today that needs to be reminded that all your sufferings, all your trials, all your tribulations, all that you have encountered, all that you're in the middle of, and all that you're going to walk into when you walk out of this sanctuary today, all that is not the end. All those lead to hope being restored in your life. It is not hope based on your circumstances. It is not based upon feeling. It is not based upon hope in others or contingent on what they will do. It's not hope that's based on my abilities biblical hope is possible today because of god's gift to us in jesus christ we are as we were closing out adventure week on the last day the fears that i had was that these kids and leaders could not take anything away from this week then i truly have not done my job because of this i was trying to be my own superhero allowing god to work only and not allowing god to work in this week I cannot be a superhero trying to work in this world alone that we live in. Our struggle is allowing ourselves to take up a task knowing that God will take care of it. That this is our faith and trust in God is allowing ourselves to give up something that we cannot see because it is the fear of the unknown. We do not trust and have faith in God. It brings fear into our lives and creates anxiety, stress, and worry. The Bible describes it best that the enemy is like a warring lion ready to devour someone. Fear is Satan's greatest weapon against us. With the death and resurrection of Jesus, my greatest weapon against fear is praise. When you are struggling, remember to praise the Lord. And before I give you a last word today, um, before I invite Pastor Mike up, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you, is that with God I can stand stand with him because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ that my problems will not be bigger than what they stand And I'm going to go ahead and invite Pastor Mike up, and he's going to take us home with him.
2: Here for Mark. One, One correction, though. I'm going to take you home in the message. I'm not going to take you home with me. I'm tired from this last week, and I actually need some quality rest. Um, Adventure Week was a, just a great week to be able to share the good news of the gospel, though, uh, with the next generation and be able to do that through skits and and dramas, dramatical portrayals of the lives of these heroes of faith that Mark was uh, outlining. And what we saw with each of these characters, they're people that you know are human. They're f- they're flawed. They're they're f- they're they're vulnerable. Like Moses, it's like God, you've got the wrong person when He called him. But that vulnerability is then that space and place, as Mark was kind of discussing in his message, that God fills in that space and place in which he empowers us. As we walked through the week and saw each of these characters and how they were filled by God to do amazing things that they could not do on their own strength, it all led up and culminated in the message of Jesus, the ultimate hero. Greg and I loved playing uh, Peter and John then on Friday. And uh, we ran in here on on Friday morning in the opening. I ran in like John did when he ran to the empty tomb to see what had happened. Uh, Greg followed behind. And then we talked about how we had heard these same stories that the kids were hearing that week when we grew up. And we were familiar with Moses and Elijah. But then we encountered the one to whom they all pointed to. That all those, those heroes of faith in the Old Testament... Again, we're, we're broken people, but they all pointed to our need for a Savior in various ways and forms. Our opportunity to belong as the people of God, like Abraham. To need a Savior like Moses. To need someone to step up for such a time as this, like Esther, and be the avenue through which God brought about salvation for the Israelite people in that time. To look at the fact that each of those heroes of faith are only heroes because they were empowered by God to do what they were doing, and they all pointed forward to the ultimate hero of faith, Jesus. And when we come into touch with Him, and when we allow Him to touch our lives, that's what enables us to do anything heroic. It's not us, it's God doing those things through us. And it's God empowering us with His resurrected presence. From Luke's version of the scene around the empty tomb, which Mark read, we actually see three things about those women that I believe were tremendously heroic. And the first thing I want to say that was heroic about them was that they went towards the the tomb. They could have walked away. They could have gone about their ordinary everyday life at the time when they were walking to the tomb. When they went to the tomb, they didn't have hope in the resurrection. They were, in fact, carrying the signs of their grief and the spices with them, that they were going to go and anoint Jesus' body and continue the burial process. There wasn't a hope of resurrection, but in the midst of their grief and loss and their missing Jesus, they didn't turn back or away from him and what they had experienced. They actually walked forward and went towards the empty tomb. It is an amazing heroic act to walk towards your grief to enter into your grief rather than trying to avoid it or somehow try to deny it. The women didn't do that. They went to the tomb carrying those symbols of their grief and their loss, and then they found that the stone was rolled away. I hadn't thought about this and preached most Easter Sundays for the last 25 years in ministry, but I realized what makes the difference is what they didn't find, right? Right? They find that the, the, the stone had been rolled away, but what makes the difference is that they didn't find Jesus in his dead body. It was the emptiness of the tomb that filled them with hope. It was what they didn't find in not finding, the body of Jesus that led them into this place of wonder. So the women who went to the tomb then are led into this place of wonder about what this means. And you know, perhaps that was my favorite thing about this last week because children lead us into places of wonder and they haven't lost that yet. And my trouble now at being 50 is I lose that sense of wonder and awe. And I love just getting back in touch with that sense of wonder this last week through the eyes of kids. I watched even the preschoolers, even the sunshine preschool friends just kind of being caught up in wonder as they were listening to Pastor Greg share about the story of Abraham. I remember this place of wonder we were in. As Greg and I were sharing about, you know, the experience of Peter and John, and I I shared about the story of when they were on the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm is raging, and the wind and the waves are getting big, and the disciples are starting to become fearful, and and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, and they literally cry out to him, like, Don't you care if we drown? And Jesus wakes up and speaks to the wind and the waves. And he said, quiet, be still. And I kid you not, even our sunshine preschoolers, three and four-year-olds, it was dead silent. And there was just sort of this wonder in the moment. Even they could be calm before the, the presence and power of God that Jesus demonstrated over nature itself. And friends, I just want to remind you to never lose that sense of wonder and awe. If you need to recapture it, volunteer for Adventure Week next week. Next year, thank you. I wish it was, yeah, no, I don't wish it was next week. Next year, I need to recover. Thank you. Good. I said next week because of last week. Yeah, anyway, being tired. But that wonder that kids capture and they still, they haven't lost The wonder wonder that the women had at the empty tomb, what that leads is to this place of wonder, but then the, the angels speak into their experience. In the midst of their wonder, the angels announce the good news and that the one who was worthy of their worship, wasn't them, wasn't the angels, but the one who was worthy of their worship was no longer there. They shouldn't be looking for the living among the dead. You know, sometimes I think followers of Jesus think about Jesus being like our dead founder of our faith instead of the living presence of of the God who is exalted, is high and above, who's the Lord Almighty, but who is also with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be looking for the living among the dead. We need to look for the living Jesus who is alive and well and at work in and through the church on a week like this last week. For the women, that wonder about what had happened and how the tomb had become empty led into a place then of worship. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the angels re- redirected their worship to the one who, again, was not there, but who was worthy of their worship. They announced, He is not here. He is risen. And that announcement transformed and changed these grief-stricken women to heroes of faith who went and announced the good news to the early disciples and to others. The women gathered at the empty tomb are then reminded of the message that Jesus had preached all along, but which had now come true. And there's three things there that we need to capture and that the kids memorized. The first is that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. In other words, what seemed to at first have occurred at human instigation and where it might seem like the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod were the ones who were in charge and were initiating the action. In fact, it was the unfolding of the plan and design of God to save the world. When it says he must be delivered, it's saying this is the way. This is the only way to save the world. There was no other way. As we sang in Yahweh, there's no one like you. He is the only one who can bring about our salvation as our perfect sacrifice. When when it's announced, he must be delivered, it's basically saying he must be because this is the plan of God and this is the way for salvation. And then the angel said, the Son of Man must be crucified. This was no new plan of God. Centuries earlier, as the hero of faith, Isaiah said... It says surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows yet he was we consider him stricken by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned their own way. But the Lord has laid on Him, on Jesus, eventually, the iniquity of us all. In other words, 600 years before Jesus came and walked on this earth, God knew, and long before, even His plan and design to orchestrate our salvation. And Isaiah announced it, and now the angels were telling the women that it had come true, just as He said it would. And then the third point, the good news, that on the third day he would be raised again. The new life that we have is a result of the fact that the tomb wasn't just empty, Jesus had risen and ascended. And at one point, Greg and I, as Peter and John, got to point to the fact that just as Elijah had been taken up into a chariot and and risen and up into heaven, Jesus is the one through his own resurrection and ascension that has the power to raise us to new life. This was a message that Jesus had tried to proclaim to them again and again. The angels say to the women, While he was in Galilee, he told you. Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection on a number of occasions. But the disciples failed to comprehend or accept what he was saying. So the angels weren't telling the women anything new. They were saying, Remember what he had already said that had now come true in their experience. This wasn't a new announcement. It was an affirmation of what Jesus had already said, a recapitulation of the mission of Jesus that had now been accomplished. The angels show then the meaning of the empty tomb. And without that announcement, they would have been left in wonder. But the announcement on the angels helped bring the pieces of the puzzle together for the women... So that they could now understand and remember what Jesus had told them, which had now been accomplished. And they were then meant to go out and to share that good news. Pastor Greg and I loved playing Peter and John and having the opportunity to sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together for the kids and what they had heard all week. And part of that was showing the process that we had gone through as disciples to come to a place of faith and understanding of who Jesus is. As John, I talked about how I was following John the Baptist and then one day saw John the Baptist point to Jesus and say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I realized John was pointing to one beyond himself, to the Messiah and the Savior. And so as John, I talked about following after Jesus but being afraid to even talk to him at first. But in John 1, we hear that Jesus turned to John and said, what do you want? And John said, Rabbi or teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. And John and likely Andrew got to spend the afternoon with Jesus. And I talked about this. What would it be like to just get to spend an afternoon with Jesus? Ask him any question you want. See him, physical form. Spend time with him. Share a meal with him. That's what John got to experience. And as a result, he came to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah, the one sent from God. Soon Peter would be introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew, but then beside the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus walked beside the sea and sees Peter and others fishing and says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter's life was transformed. On Friday, as we were starting to gather to get ready for Adventure Week, it's about 8 15. You know, I'm tired. We've been with the kids for four days already. One of our members of the church, Ron, pulled up in his, his big truck and had his boat behind him. And he pulled up and he basically stopped right where everybody would be driving in, right in the, the driveway. So I had to go over to Ron and say, "Hey, Ron, uh, we're going to need you to move the boat because you know we got about sixty kids coming today." And he said, "Oh, okay." He's like, "Well, hey, do you want to come fishing with me? You know, my friend Daryl and I were going to go fishing here in a little bit. Why don't you come?" And I said, well, Ron, you know, I've got some things to do today with these kids and, and all that. And I, and I walked away and, and I realized and I said this to, to Ron, the first of us I realized I should have instead said, no, I'm already going fishing today. Fishing and sharing Jesus in the lives of these kids, maybe not men and women, but boys and girls, and they need to hear the good news. And we have an opportunity to fish for men and women, for Jesus. And the amazing thing was watching that unfold that week. At one point, Greg and I were sharing the good news with the younger kids, and I looked up to, to Josh, looked over Josh, it was Josh's group that he was leading along with his friend Emily, and, and I said, Oh, and afterwards, you know, Josh and Emily, you might want to share some of this with the kids. And and Josh said, Oh no, we already shared the three circles. With, with the kids that God has a plan and design for them and they turn from it and experience brokenness and, and we can turn back to God through, through what Jesus has done for us and experience a restoration, a relationship with Him. And two of the kids already accepted Jesus. God was way ahead of me in what I was doing in that moment. And God was already using high schoolers and others to point people to Him. But we need to remember, and that is just that, that of who God is and who we are and then what God call upon our life is. And that's what I think Isaiah best embodies in Isaiah 6. And I just want to share this and summarize and close the message with these words. In Isaiah 6 it said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, seraphs, each with six wings, which two, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, saying and crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which was taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I, Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. You see, the movement of our response to God is about accepting who God is first. And that's what Isaiah did when he proclaimed that God is the Lord, the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of His glory. And he proclaimed, Holy, Holy, Holy. Many commentators think that was a reflection of praising the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each person of the Trinity being holy. And the same phrase, Lord Almighty and holy, 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 is used in Isaiah 53 when it talks about the suffering servant, Jesus, who would come and reveal the holiness of God and ultimately be exalted as Lord Almighty and over, over heaven and earth. Isaiah understood who God was in the fullness of his glory. But as a result of accepting who God is, Isaiah also had to accept who he is and we have to accept who we are. This God who is holy, who planned and designed to be in relationship with us is one we all turn away from. In relationship to God, we need to confess or acknowledge our sin and brokenness, that we are unclean as a result of our sin and we live among a people who are unclean. But God has the power to take away our guilt and atone for our sin, which simply means cover over or remove, for our sin, which he ultimately does through Jesus and his death on the cross. If we accept who God is then and who we are in relationship to him as people who are in need of a savior, we can then experience the third movement, and that is to accept his call upon our lives. The first call to, that, is that, that God extends is to Him and in a relationship with Him, which is His original plan and design from the beginning. I love being able to share with these young kids that God wants to be, through Jesus has expressed His desire, to be your forever friend. Not a friend during the school year or during a soccer season that comes and goes in your life, but Jesus wants to be with you both now and for all eternity. The second call, though, is to accept the fact that we are sinful and broken as a result and are in need of a Savior and have to turn and repent from our sin in order to receive Jesus as the source of our salvation. I talked about how in one of my letters as John, I wrote that if we confess our sin, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just as Isaiah's mouth was cleansed by the coal, our lives are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We can be made whole, and we can be forgiven. And like Isaiah, once we are clean, then we're, we're really prepared to respond to the third call of God, and that is to hear the voice of the Lord and accept that we are sent to go and to share the good news of Jesus. I love that both Moses and Isaiah responded to God's call in the same way. Here I am, send me. We know that Moses thought that God had the wrong guy in sending him to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. But in God's power, Moses became the right guy and accomplished the mission that God had for him. Ultimately, our invitation in this third invite is to join Jesus on his mission and to get to participate And going out and being a part of his harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then and go out into the harvest field. We then are to go into our homes, neighborhoods, workplaces. Wherever God calls us to go with the good news of Jesus. And join God on mission in all the places we go. Like Isaiah, we're called to acknowledge who God is, who we are as sinful people but then come before him with open hands and say here I am send me in gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God has done for us I love the way Frederick Beegner captures it in his book The Hungering Dark he says the call of God comes from call the word call comes from the Latin word vocare which means to call and means that a person's calling comes from God and is to do the work that God has called us to. And there are all different kinds of voices calling us to all different kinds of work. The problem is to find the voice of God rather than society or superego or self-interest. By and large, a good rule and thumb for finding your call is this. It's what you most need to do and what the world most needs done. The place God calls you is that place where your deep gladness And the world's deep hunger meet. Beekner goes on to say that to Isaiah the voice said go. And for each of us there are many voices that say it. The question is which one we will obey with our lives. And which voice that calls is the one we will answer. No one can say of course except for this. That we are to go with our lives where we most need to go. And where we are most needed. And I'm deeply thankful for a congregation that heard God's call, that knew that they were needed right here at 175 Ridge Road this past week through the giving of your time the giving of your gifts, but who also sense God's call across the street and to the many spaces and places that God has for us to be. Friends, it's about taking the joy you have in Jesus and sharing that with other people. Taking the gifts that you have been given And using them to God's glory. About 8.30 last night I put Josh on a plane. He is headed down to San Diego to participate in a Nike running camp. And one of Josh's heroes is the missionary, Scottish missionary Eric Little. Eric Little talked about running and eventually went to China on missions. And he said that he ran because he felt God's pleasure in him whenever he ran. And I'm really thankful for the fact that many of you sensed God's pleasure in being with and for kids this last week. If you're tired and weary like I am, I hope it's a good tired and weary. And that you know and hear God's voice to you. Well done, good and faithful servants. For just as he used many this past week, he can continue to use us to announce his good news to all who need to hear. Amen? Amen.